Hey, Mac, when does deer season start? Well, if you want the best deer herd possible, Lanny, you need to start right now. Right now. That's, That's why right. we're starting our promotion. I mean, we've got a deer season starts now promotion on plantbiologic.com where you can pick up our Game Changer soybeans, our forage soybeans, and our spring protein peas. While you're there, you might as well go ahead and pick up some brassicas like our final forage and winter bowls. Yeah, stock up for the cool season planting right now. Listeners to the GK Podcast, if you use coupon code GKPOD, you can save an additional 10% off our entire selection of warm season, cool season, and clover food plot seed. Get started today and visit plantbiologic.com for an unforgettable fall. I am Jeff Foxworthy, and welcome to Gamekeeper Podcast. If you want to learn more about farming for wildlife and habitat management, then buddy, you are in the right place. Join the Gamekeeper crew direct from Mossy Oak Land Enhancement Studio as they discuss the latest wildlife and habitat management practices, news, and of course, hunting. There's no telling what you'll learn, but I'm going to tell you, I bet it's interesting. Enjoy. We're live in three, two, one. Man, Max on fire today. All right, everybody. Well, welcome to West Point, Mississippi, home of Mossy Oak Brand Camo, the Gamekeeper Studio, and lots of good things, including the Gamekeeper Kennels, which we'll be talking about. Yeah, we're going to talk about dogs today. You know, it's kind of getting on that time of year, dove season. Everybody's thinking about ducks, feathers, doves. So, going to get a little good tips on, especially, you know, uh, we've been exposed around here the last couple of years. You know, th- these dogs are susceptible to heat stroke in the south. So I think we're going to talk a little bit about that. That'll be a great topic. It will be. So there's a lot going on. August is a busy month. Guys up north are planting food plots. We're trying to get ready with our food plots and yeah. be prepared for when September comes because it's not far away, guys. No, it's here. It's upon us. I woke up this week like, oh, my goodness, here it is. Yeah, you need to lay your hand on some seed because if it's like it was last year, a lot of things sell out and you mm-hmm. can't get it. So I would encourage people to go ahead and get their seed in their hands, get their fertilizer, and be prepared. Get ready. Yeah. So do you've you had a tip you were talking about earlier. About well, what? you know, I've always relied on uh, my dad has given me good advice over the years, and and one of the things that he always told me is, "Son, don't farm in flip flops." I made that mistake this weekend. Yeah. And now I'm less one toenail. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. So my tip is, if you're out there, you know, doing what we love to do, put some closed toe shoes on. You lost a toenail. That's gone. You want to see it? No, No. I don't want to see it. Yeah, it's pretty bad. What, did you get it hung up in the bush hog or something? I just, you know, I had some dadgum flip-flops on uh, and walked by the tractor and... You, know, you got that, me. That's gamekeeper rule number one. <laughs> yeah. Put on some manly footwear. <laughs> Lord, have mercy. Don't farm in flip flops. So there's my tip of the week. Well, so last week I had it. I wanted to kind of start doing these gamekeeper tips every time. You know, we've got them in our magazine. But the one thing that I wanted to just throw out to everybody, and I've learned the the hard way, if you'll go ahead and spray some glyphosate on your plots now, a few weeks ahead of time, they are so much easier to disc. Yeah, hundred percent. And that. And that product that Helena had, that water conditioner, Quest, it really helps that glyphosate work better. I I witnessed it myself. It's, in, it's impressive. Yeah, what's going on there, Doug? What what does it do? I wish I could. I don't. I don't want to lie, but I, I think it's some kind of fancy surfactant. Yeah, you know. So the surfactant just basically makes the chemical stick to the plant better. Yeah, and it'll make the like the water droplets smaller to where mm-hmm. they you know they spread out more on the leaf. Yeah. 
But um, I'm not sure. I don't. I don't believe Quest has nitrogen in it. But it's it's a, like a water conditioner that helps keep the Roundup from binding up with other minerals in the water and that kind of thing. Yeah. So but I used some a couple of weeks ago, and I agree. It uh, it's I worth it. Won't not use it again. Yeah. And you you use what some uh, ammonium sulfate? In yeah. Too? Yeah. Ammonium so, sulfate is amazing stuff. And that is that a little nitrogen source? Is that what yes. It, it's a source of nitrogen uh, when they. When ammonium nitrate quit being so available uh, after the Oklahoma City bombing, they started using that. But it, it works great. Uh, you put it in your water, so you're basically fertilizing the weeds, and it, it makes the Roundup soak in, into the plant better. It uptakes the chemical. Yeah, so you're mm-hmm. essentially making the plant happier so it can uptake the chemical better. Well, that's what I'm going to try to do this year. You know, we learned when we heard from Johnny about, you know, the soil cycles and everything else we're learning. I'm trying to not just sprint out there and plant a food plot in two to three days. I'm trying to really plan ahead, you know, spray like you're saying, mm-hmm. getting all my ducks in a row and uh, do it the right way this year. You need so, to get you some boots now if you're yeah, going to be doing it. Without <laughs> flip-flops on, let me tell you. I so, threw those things away, by the way. So I'm seeing and hearing everybody getting all excited about alligator seasons coming up. And It's right up. So us. what are we – Mike, are you got a tag? Are we, what are we, two weeks away? He's over there. there what go. is he doing? Man, he's texting again. Yeah, so it starts on the 27th and then goes for 10 days. So at noon on the 27th, it's wide open. And so me and McKellar both have tags for the mole – so we're gonna get out there and get after team gamekeepers. Yeah. Have you been doing any scouting? You got a gator tied out? I have. Uh, it actually kind of goes in with my commercial, so we can jump oh, to that. So oh, I've been yeah. using Onyx a bunch, uh, kind of planning out the gator hunts and where we want to go and try to hunt uh, in the Mississippi Delta. And so the one thing I would want to say is they need to, they need to move that waypoint to get an alligator on the waypoint. So we're gonna have to work with our friends at Onyx on that. Oh, how would that work? What is a way? What like you where you drop it. So with Onyx, what I'm doing is I'm dropping pins on areas that I want to scout or have scouted. And they have, you know, antelope, turkeys, a turkey roost. They have oh, you're these. talking about from an icon. <laughs> they need an alligator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I've been using that. And then I've had a lot of folks calling in, uh, not sure their actual size of their food plots. And so I've been pushing them to Onyx and using that to map out their food plots to really get a true size and make sure they get the right amount of seed. Yeah. So it's, uh, we use Onyx a bunch. It's, it's a, a heck of a tool. It's yeah. a heck of a tool. I mean, I, I use it all the time. I use it every stuff. single day. Yeah. I, I was in Atlanta a couple weekends ago and got lost in the middle of midtown Atlanta and it helped me get get to where I needed to go. So well, if you know, if you're not, looking at not just hunting stuff. No, nah, we found the big tree in Sipsi River National Forest with it, so. Yeah. It's really well, good. So from Atlanta to the you know, Bankhead National Forest. It's good for it. Well, it, the, you know, what's so fascinating about it to me is you can look at and it'll have it'll show those property lines, but it'll show whose property it is. Yeah. So if you want to go talk to him about, hey, could, you know, can yeah. I, would you mind if I go over here and turkey hunt on yeah, your Yes, I would. You've got a starting point of a name to ask. Yeah, so. no, it's, it's really, great for that. It's a great product. See who surrounds you. Yeah. And they got a lot of new stuff coming out. I think, aren't they working on some kind of tree layer or something? Yeah. It's, uh, so it's very interesting. To get you, you know, provide, you know, just a little bit more of an edge out there for you. Mm-hmm. So it's Honestly, crazy how technology is changing, you know, everything in our world. So. Well, th- thank you, Mike, for bringing them up. They're great folks. Everybody we've met from there has been impressive. And that's a, a, a product that everybody needs on their phone. Yeah. It's not very expensive. I've got it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If, if I can use it, <laughs> yeah. if Bobby can use can it, use it and I'll pay for it, it's worth it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, look, I wanted to point out there was a guy named uh, 
L. Knowles. I think his name is Levi. It is. But he uh, he left is that a, with a K or with an N. Uh, that's N O L E S, like Seminoles, but without the summer oh, gotcha. uh, in there. But uh, he left us a great review on Apple Podcasts, and and I want to give him a. We we're going to send him a Gamekeeper watch for doing that for us. And I, boy, I tell you what, guys, it's so important that you go to the Apple Podcast and leave a review. I'm not asking to leave a good one; just leave us an honest review. Yeah. And uh, every now and then we're going to randomly pick one and send. And we read every one of them and, and and take direction from it, so it's important to know that too. Yeah. How so, about leave a good review, and if you're thinking about leaving a bad review, call us and tell us about it first. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, actually, gotta, Levi, we like him so much that he's going to be on the Ask Dudley as well. Oh, today? Oh, good. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, he's making it twice. And so, Levi, we're going to get a watch headed to you if you'll get in touch with us and give us your address. What so, kind of watch is that? A Bertucci yeah. Gamekeeper watch. Bertucci. Fancy. Fancy. It really is. Yeah. So, so look, we've got Toxin just joined us, sitting down there in his chair. And so, uh, this this podcast, I'm expecting it to be really interesting. We, we're going to try to, like you said, Lanny, we're going to try to learn about dogs yeah, and what guys can do. I mean, you know, what? It's, it's all about a hunter's best friend, so we want to do everything we can. You know, these dogs give our give their all for us, so we want to do everything we can to, you know, make it as safe for them as possible. That is exactly right. So when I look across the table, I'm looking at Bill Gibson over there, who's just who's just got this the stellar, OG. stellar right. reputation of, of all these dogs love him so much. And then next to him, I'm not sure, this KC Swain. How do I introduce him? What is his uh We role? imported him, didn't we? Yeah, from New Mexico. New Mexico. New Mexico. <laughs> not old Mexico. I would say very politely. Yeah, yeah. He's a big old boy. Yeah. He's a big old boy. Yeah. yeah. That's right. I, I've got Mac on this end of the table. Yeah. Though. I think he was a contender for world's most interesting man at one point. Yeah. So it's a big deal. Wow. Well, so Bill Gibson, between the two of you, uh, y'all are touching and loving on and helping working every dog that goes through Gamekeeper Kennels. And so, Casey, I assume Mr. Bill is kind of teaching you all that he knows. Are you being able to Whoa, absorb no, it? Not everything. Not everything. Not everything. Not everything. Okay. Hey, it's a learning day by day. It's, uh, it's a job, but we're getting there, and I'm slowly learning and, and uh, getting where I need to be. So. He's come a long way. Well, New yeah. Mexico. Literally. Literally. <laughs> New Mexico. Yeah, but it's it's um it's just so cool to see the common bond and stuff we do. We talk about it in different businesses, but probably more than anything that we've developed is the thing that unites us all is that love. And to see someone like Mr. Gibson, who's been my neighbor, who everybody around here looks up to about their dogs, he has a storied you know career in law enforcement scene. Stuff you could you'd never want to hear about, right? Rough, tough, and to see him pick up a little puppy and be crying, you know, if it's sick or something's happening to it, or every single one of them, he'll pick them up and touch them on his nose and lick them. There's nobody out there loves those dogs more than him, mm-hmm. and to see that unite them because they both do everything's good from there, whether we raise great dogs or train great dogs, it's that love, and then you know, helping that go into someone's household. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's incredible. And I, I know with your dogs, they can just hear his voice, and they're, they're, they're up and their tail's wagging. They're, yep. they're happy to hear him. They so, do. So. Well, because we've got boy dogs, and <laughs> a lot of times when Uncle Bill Gibson comes calling, it means he's got a girlfriend for him. So they really pay attention to him when he Love is in the air. Yeah. Yes. yeah. All the good things come through Mr. Gibson. The <laughs> thing about Tox's dog, Gus, is a lot of times when I come home, Tox has got a – 
uh, underground barrier to keep the dogs in his big yard over there. But Gus would be sitting out by the bridge, and when he sees my truck, he starts barking, want me to come over there and play with him. Break him free. (laughs) He said he'd be training dogs in the yard, and there's a little cut through, like a gas line through the trees where the ditch right next to my house to his. And so he'll be training dogs, and he'll look over there, and Gus will be sitting right just a few feet from that wire you can't cross. Just watching him train, he'll look over there and he'll say, hey, Gus, and he'll wag his tail at him. <laughs> Patiently observing, yeah. waiting his turn. Uh, he's something. He, you know, he, he is that, something. He's kind of part of getting started this because he came about right at the beginning of yeah, it. Yeah, he sure you know. did. Now, Tim, Timbo figured out the underground wire, and he knows if he can get to max speed before he gets to the wire, he can clear the wire before the shock him. He figured out so, what that wire radius yeah, was. So he, so he comes up. flying. Mm. Got to run faster than the speed of light to do yeah. that. That's pretty wow. good. He doesn't take wow. no for an answer real well. Yeah, he's tough. He, is he tough. sure is. So you know, we've got so many guys that have dogs now. We we hear them all the time. Mac, you've got a couple of friends that have just recently had some bad events happen to them. But so August is so hot. Dove season is approaching. So let, we wanted to talk about things that a guy could be doing right now as he's training his dog to make sure that he, the dog doesn't overheat, and then as hunt, when they start hunting them to make sure they don't overheat, because it can happen in a heartbeat. Yeah, it happens not in a heartbeat, but just in a snap of the fingers. You can go from sort of normal to completely uh, the dog's falling over, the dog is dying, and it's hard to, to bring them back once they reach that point, like today. It's probably 105 degrees out there today. You can't work that dog in the middle of the day. You just cannot do it. You got to get up early in the morning, work dogs, come back late in the afternoon and work dogs. Now you're talking okay. about a heat index because if I look at my phone, it's not 105. It's no, like not heat index. So, so people need to be aware yeah. of that heat index. Yeah, they need to. If they watch the news early in the morning, watch the weather report, they'll tell them what the heat index is going to be. Okay. If it was supposed to be 105 today. Or more. And, or more, yeah. Yeah. And you turn a dog out for training, you got to go to a shady spot. Don't get out in the sun, especially with the black dog. The black dog absorbs heat more than a yellow dog. If you got a yellow dog on one side and a black dog on the other side and you lay your hand on the black dog, it's hot. And the yellow dog will be a lot less hot than the black dog. So you always got to be conscious of that, too. What color is the dog that you're working Work them in the shade as much as possible. Don't even send them out in the sun if you don't have to. Because, and after about two or three retrieves this time of year, if you watch your dog, the very tip of its tongue is going to turn red, and then it's going to curl. And the minute you see that curl, quit. Mm. That means the dog is overheating. A dog's normal temperature is 101.5. And when they get up to 103, 104 degrees, you're in trouble. So they they so, don't have sweat glands, I, I, from what don't. I understand. So they, they have they pat, to they have to pat to lose heat, right. and they lose some heat through their paws. Mm-hmm. But when the ground's hot, you're not going to lose any heat because right. the paws are on that hot ground. Which brings up another thing too: don't walk your dog on the pavement on a hot day. You're going to burn his pads. That's oh, worth man. yeah, man. definitely that's worth awful. bringing that up. I, right. I see yeah. it too much. Yeah, I do too. I see it every day. They wonder why their dogs Somebody's are walking their dog there. down the street. And the, the temp, surface temp on that pavement has got to be sky high. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's get back to, to training, though. Sure. You're training, and the dog's tongue starts to curl. You're looking, it's red on the end. Don't say, well, one more retrieve, two more retrieves. That next retrieve, he may be staggering when he's coming back. And when he, once he starts staggering, 
you're in trouble. You've got to cool him down. So you say, well, I'm going to go down here to the pond and let him swim. That's not going to cool that dog down because the surface temperature of water is normally higher than the air temp that you're running him in. Now, once he gets out of the pond, you know, if it's a breeze blowing, that'll probably cool him down a little bit. Take him somewhere where you got a hose and squirt the hose on his stomach. Don't take him and dump him in, the, in ice water. That's worst. the worst thing you can do is put one in ice water. <laughs> so you definitely don't want to do that. Yeah. That, I guess that could shock them in some it, way. It puts them in shock. And to talk about, you know, things that I've learned, and this happens to be one of the things I learned the hard way, is, you know, I was out there training the dog. Just, you know, it was it was like 930 in the morning, and this dog happened to be a really high, you know, high-energy dog. And we were just out there training. And, you know, he's been warning me about, okay, you know, watch for that, that curl of the tongue, watch for the tongue getting red. And, and, and I saw those signs. I like exactly what he said, you know, one more retrieve and then we'll go in. And I threw that one last retrieve. And next thing I know, that dog is wobbling. That dog is just panting uncontrollably. And uh, it's just one of those things. It's like, dang, you know, it, it's just a matter of seconds before that dog can overheat. And so we were lucky, you know, be able to take it inside, cool it down, and she happened to be okay. But it just goes to show you how quick that can happen. And uh, when you and you got to really pay attention to it, especially mm-hmm. when it's hot. You know? Yeah. You know, you see a lot of guys when dove season starts, they're just hard headed. They want that's, to take their dog. Yeah, that's not the best attitude. That's exactly what I, my one message on this topic is just if you have any doubt, just do not take your dog. I've seen it. I've seen them. People lose dogs. I know people have lost dogs. And to the point you can barely talk about it because it hurts so bad. But just don't take them. Well, I'm going to sit in the shade. Or I'm going to, you know, I'm be by a pond. With the, if the heat index is in that kind of range in like the 90s plus, I mean, unless you're going to sit there and only kill one dove, maybe. There's no way you can carry out a hunt, you know, a normal good hunt with a dog in that kind of temperature without risking their life, killing them. And if you carry all the water in the world, it's not enough, is it, Mr. Bill? That's right. And another thing, you don't want to give them free access to a bucket of water where they drink, 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 drink. You don't want them to get water toxicity and die. You want to to dish it out small portions of the time. Let so them drink a drink small portion, yeah. come back and drink another. No, I'll give you the answer. The answer is leave them at home. Yeah. <laughs> That's do thing. not take them in the heat. Just, yeah. just don't do it. Their yeah. life is too precious to take yeah. a chance. Another thing, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, just, just in general, I mean, you know, you want to take those dogs out and like take them out and have a good time, you know, go run around in the backyard, something that's not even pertaining to training or hunting. But it's in the heat of the day, or, or it's a, you know it's hot out, and you don't even think twice about it. But you're running the dog around with a ranger, can am, or whatever you're doing. Next thing you know, that same situation can happen. I mean, it happened to me before too. I mean, I was you know out there running around with my dog just because I wanted to let him have some good times, and you know, same kind of thing happened. He's about to overheat, and we weren't even training or anything. It's just mm-hmm. it's just one of those things you got to watch out for at all times. You know. Mm-hmm. So what if a guy's on a dove shoot and he's he's you know out in the country? 45 minutes away, and his dog starts showing these signs. It, 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 are there, uh, I mean, I heard you mention watering him and trying to cool him down, but is was that the best thing is try to get him on his back and, and pour some cold water on him? That, just run that uh, faucet water over his stomach, try to cool him down. Sometimes it's too late. Nothing's going to help. Um, um, and th- this sounds kind of random, but I know us as humans – we're supposed to hydrate before we go out. Like you don't play and catch up, you know, you get hot and you need to drink some water, but I've always been told, make sure you're fully hydrated in advance, knowing that you're going out. But 
a dog doesn't really have the sense to. You can't make them. You can't make drink. a dog drink water before they go. But just so, if you're training or you're doing anything outside, make sure you've got water nearby or that you're doing sort of sessions where you can take that dog back in where they get water. Okay, and gotcha. Just make sure there's water available because, like you said, you can't make them drink water, but you can give them access to it. And it, after a short training session, we go back to the kennel. The first thing they do is lay down with their stomach on the concrete. Why mm-hmm. they do that? Because the concrete's cool. Yeah. And they're, they're losing heat to the concrete. That then. makes too much sense. Yeah. So, you know, we've but, got that early dove season uh across the u.s where you know where doves migrate and uh like toxie said that's that's just a couple of weekends if, if you're worried about it and you don't think your dog's in the greatest shape uh consider just wait until that october season when when things have cooled off a little bit and they've got the rest of the winter to hunt but you know what most people are not going to do that they're going to go to the dove field they may scout it out a couple of days in advance and they see a place where the doves are coming through and opening between two trees or something and it's wide open in the sun. And then there's other places there where a dove comes through every now and then, but it's shady. Where are they going to go? They're going to go to the place where all the doves are coming through, and they're going to set their dog right out in the sun, and they're going to have problems mm-hmm. more than likely because they don't think. Mm-hmm. It's, to me, a dove is not worth killing my dog. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, and all these dogs... Uh, they want to please us so much. They 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 don't know quit. No, and and so that's where it, it's our responsibility to look after. Great them. point, Bobby. Yeah. Reminds me it's of the saying of great pilots because they say, uh, like Mister Thickpin once said, mm-hmm. "What's the gr- top attribute of being a great pilot?" And he said, "Being a big old chicken." Mm-hmm. Like there's no there's old pilots and bold pilots, but there's no old bold pilots. <laughs> <laughs> well, the same should be true for your dog. <laughs> and the kind of love they give you, they deserve back, yeah. which is unconditional. Yeah, it's like don't take them. Be a chicken, even if you know. I hear, I hate to say it from some of my. Oh, he'll be okay. I did it before. It doesn't take but one time to be wrong. Right. So if you any kind of heat in sun, direct sunshine, afternoon hunts, leave them at home. It's okay. Pick up your own doves, doves a few times, but don't go on the. The, the whim of it was okay before or I've done it before or something it won't take but the one time mm-hmm. you don't know the last time you took them this may be twice as exerting and that you know the exertion is what's going to get them on top of the heat and sure. you, you know that's what you do and they're not just going to sit there with you all afternoon they're going to work, be working their tails off that's and right. it'll kill them yeah. another thing I'd like to add is you know we hunt out you know out in the desert near especially for doves near like water tanks and stuff like that you know in the, in the summertime in the in the September, whatever, that's that warm water produces a lot more bacteria and all these nasty things. So we'd take dog, you know, dog water and try to give it to them as much as possible, this kind of clean water. Yes. So these dogs aren't tempted to go drink out of the nasty water and, and cause themselves to get sick. I would assume that's a you know, good thing to follow. Y'all had a blue-green type algae out there yeah. that'll kill them. Mm-hmm. Just that's like a the great point. Because so. mm-hmm. they will drink the muddiest, nastiest water if you don't mm-hmm. have any. So, Mr. Bill, if you were going to shoot doves on the morning and it's, you know, the weather's fine, you're going to be able to take your dog. Do you feed your dog before you go or do you feed him a half rate or how do you I do feed that? feed him the night before. The night before. So that the morning night he's not going to take any dog hunting. I change everybody over to afternoon feeding. And the reason is that gives them time to digest the food and build their muscles to the maximum level before the next morning they're there. They get all advantage of all the nutrients. You feed them in the morning, you take them out hunting. What's the first thing they do? All that food comes out the other end mm-hmm. in the form of it. Have similar to diarrhea. 
and they're not getting any benefit from it. They're not getting any energy. Their muscles are not storing the energy that they need through the glucose levels. So some, some kind feed of them in the, af- in the afternoon. As an athlete, I mean, you know, I played football, and, you know, you, your biggest, best, most, you know, important meal is the meal the night before the game, you know. You always wanted to load up on all the carbs and stuff you can the night before, and then in the morning you want to eat something that's kind of, you know, not as – rich or whatnot mm-hmm. uh, because it'll cause you to be sick on the playing field and so same kind of deal with the dogs you know you don't want them to be uh-huh. Casey, let's not get carried away here. It was just old Miss that We aren't talking about dogs around here. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, the other thing is bloat. If that stomach swells from the food and that stomach turns, it cuts off the blood flow to the intestines, and I guarantee the dog is probably going to die mm-hmm. and pretty quick. Cool. Because it kills his intestines. I had a buddy. He, I bought a dog in England, a puppy. Paid $5,000 for the puppy. Best puppy, one of the best puppies I ever bought over there. And he wanted it, so I said, well, just pay me 5000 and you can have it. So he paid me 5000 I got it back, and I trained it. He said, man, that's the best dog I ever had. And his buddies were making fun of him. You know, you feed that real expensive dog food, feed this old cheap stuff. That dog don't need that. So he changed the dog food. He went to Arkansas duck hunting on his duck club. And on the way home, the dog's stomach flipped and cut the blood supply to the intestines. He jumped out of the truck, wagged his tail, happy as he could be. And in two seconds, he was on the ground dying. Golly. Mm. Just for switching food. Yeah. Because it blew his, the gas in his stomach mm-hmm. caused his stomach to... Well, I know we've always well, talked about gradually they if you're call changing it torsion, food. is what they actually call it. So would that be prevented by gradually changing your food yeah. types? Yeah. You don't want to just do anything, just a wholesale change, right. wham. Gradually do yeah, it. Yeah, gradually do anything. Uh, incremental is what I call it. So mm-hmm. are there any supplements, for lack of a better word, out there that you can carry out in the field that may help uh, if you think they're dragging a little, you know? In cold weather, okay. I care. Uh, sugar water or uh, Hershey bar and if they start dragging if their blood sugar gets low give it to them and people say well now chocolate will kill a dog but chocolate will also bring that sugar level up get the glucose level back so is that uh, true I've always heard that will chocolate kill a dog yeah well but not in that particular case yeah, I had a That's buddy that, uh, that uh, his white lab had a whole two pound bag of Hershey's Kisses. And he was fine. <laughs> <laughs> he liked I, think it's, I think it's the dark chocolate. This oh, this yeah. was bad for him. But you, but uh, you want that sugar in the system quick. That's like uh, the time that. Uh, Daniel's dog. That's what I exactly was fixing. Our example to learn from. Um, and it was my fault. I thought he'd be fine. It was this is not overheating. This is uh, that's what I'm talking. We're going to talk about that next. Hypo, yeah. Hypothermia, right? But, but to that topic, I, I, I found a great product. So I can, I, you know, we have no relation to them, but I can. I got it from the vet here. It works really, really good. Um, but we'll tell that story, I guess, in a minute. But he he basically went down and was dying. In fact. Uh, Daniel had called. And this was in a fall hunt. A this was hunt. a fall hunt. Right. It was probably 50 degrees. Wasn't even freezing. No, but two things happened. One, there was a little bit of water he was in, like maybe a couple of inches. And as he had schooled us and I didn't pay attention to, you don't, they lose all their heat in their paws. 
And so that's why you don't want to hunt your dog in standing in cold water. Mm-hmm. Now, I know if it, maybe it's more, you know, if it's 50 or 60 degrees or something, but still, you just don't need to hunt a dog in the water like that all morning. But on top of that, uh, everybody's a fair amount of people in there, and everybody killed a limit. It was a great hunt. So, and Fitz had a great hunt. He's a really good he, exertion. Yeah, yes, he, he but he goes wide open, and this is a spot where his feet can't touch the ground most of the time. So he's really working hard, and it was exhausted from that, and he just flipped over. When Daniel rushed him, I remember Neil coming up there on the Can-Am and riding through water should have come over the top of it, and they rush off, and they think he's dead, and Daniel's got him in his lap, and he's, they've called the uh, veterinarian. They've got an emergency dispatch for the weekend to meet them there and everything. Well, Daniel gets there and fits and just stiffens up and quits breathing. And his eyes roll back, and Daniel's like it's screaming, dead. he's dead, he's gone, he's whatever. And Mr. Gibson shows up and takes him and shakes him and slams him down and starts blowing him and brought him back, and the vet pulls up. And she rushes him in there, and she said he was so cold – that the thermometer, they you know they stick it for the thermometer on dogs, didn't even register at first. Mm. He was so cold, and she warned everybody that you know it's not good. And you know if he did make it, he'd probably have permanent you know uh, organ damage or something like that. So he was laying there, and Daniel was just we were all just in tears, and Daniel just had his head right there. I mean Daniel's head. You know, people can visualize this two inches from him, just petting and loving. I love you so much, buddy. I love you so much. It just makes me want to cry thinking about it. And she said, let me see something. You know, he wasn't responding at all. He was warming up some. They had a warming tray, a warmer table. The veterinarian did a phenomenal job. And she grabbed some blood from him, and she went over to some computer or something and came back. She said, I thought that might be it. She said his glucose levels are so low. He was hypoglycemic. Yes, on top of the other. And so she went and grabbed another different drip and put a different drip on him. And in 30 seconds, he opened his eyes and started licking Daniel. Hmm. Wow. And she rubbed that, that stuff she gave you on the That's dog. right. So she gave me yeah. a little tube. It looks like toothpaste. It's red. They don't like it. You got to put it on something they like for them to eat a little bit. She said just enough to like line your finger with it, rub it in her gums called NutriCal. But it is... Got all the stuff. She said, before you go out, you don't ever need to feed them before, huh? like Mr. Gibson said. But rub this on their, give them a little bite with this on it or rub some on their gums, and that'll give them a good dose of glucose for the day, and it'll make a big difference. And I guess some calcium, too. I don't know. But it's a great product. And I have noticed even Gus, as he got, has gotten older, had a little more energy that morning because of it. But he didn't put anything on their stomach. So there's probably a multitude of products like that out there. But I guess in principle, the lesson is, like he said, feed them the night before. And Fitz did not eat the night before either, which is another thing. And he made 21 retrieves. Yeah, know? or more. And so uh, feed them the night before. Make sure, even if you have to you know, bribe them with some other food to make them eat the food, sometimes I have to use a little canned food to bribe them to eat their dry food. And then, you know, add a glucose supplement if you can find one. He used simple sugar water. might be enough just to mm-hmm. give them a little bit of it. But they make them. Why not get one, you know, from the vet or somewhere? That vet, I've heard so many stories. She was involved with. Yeah, Goose. Yeah, she's awesome. And what's her name? Emerson. Emerson. Yeah, but it was actually in this case. That was Edinger. Yeah, that's right. Worked for Dr. Emerson. Dr. Emerson's. Yeah. Saved all our animals 10 times over, too, but this is actually a bed there, and she had working for her. And, and this was 
in November in Mississippi. December, yeah. In December in Mississippi, 50-degree day. Right. You wouldn't have even thought about yeah. hypothermia yeah. with a dog. Water was cold because it had been cold, but that morning it was about 50. Yeah. yeah. And I thought, just let him. He's be fine. He's going to be he was going to be so hot anyway from the exertion. No, no, no. Sure. It didn't didn't work out that way. And then Mr. Bill runs in and gives him basically CPR. Brought him back. He had stopped breathing. Rescue breathing. Put his nose in my mouth and cover it and blow down his nose to inflate his lungs to get him breathing again. He literally brought him back. <laughs> this is tough stuff to talk about, yeah. but and that it's might so be, important. You know, some people probably find that gross. Uh, not I, me. I not do that with puppies. If I have a puppy that's born and he's not breathing, I put his whole head in my mouth. I was going to say, you've done that a whole bunch of times <laughs> is what's the truth to it. Yeah, no, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Wow. Well, because I cannot stand to see a dog suffering. I got no. to do something. I got to step in and do something. Oh, I'm so per- thankful. I know everybody is that you were there and you've got this, this attitude. And Dr. Emerson, this, this great information, the, the glucose supplement. We, we'll try to do something in the magazine in the future. On Mac, let's make a note to do that. And folks mm-hmm. can remind yeah, We wrote an article that. on that. Yeah. And I uh, co-authored it with Dr. Emerson. How about that? I remember that now. Yeah, yeah so, there you have it. So yeah. we'll, we'll do a link when we do an email <laughs> blast. We'll link that in there so folks can well, see The interesting thing is Dr. Emerson told me, I said, there's not much I can put in that article that you don't already have in there. That's right. She added one sentence. Yeah. That's so, it. So let me ask this. What it's all you know, dove season is a few we we shoot a lot of doves, but a lot of people it's just one weekend of the I year and then they're, they're on well, I'm, well, I'm the same way. It cut at them now. I'm the same way. But so uh, go through uh Casey, you jump in here too. What's a good training regimen that a guy could or should be on right now with his dog? Depends on the, the, the level of training that your dog is is currently at and, and obviously just you know, you want to go in there and, and kind of touch them up, get them to where they are, you know, back in shape and, uh, you know, just short, small, incremental stuff to get them back to where they need to be as far as uh, training sessions and stuff like that. Um, I mean, it's more specifically, I would go out there and, and uh, you know, obviously we've got a dummy launcher and, and some people don't have that. So, you know, we go out there and we'll set up a, a, a situation where the dog's sitting next to you, however you'd be hunting. We'll, we'll have a play stand or something where the dog's sitting next to us and then have the, the dummy launcher shooting singles, doubles, triples, whatever you'd like. And obviously, you know, make it gradually harder and harder as the days go on, you know, but you don't want to do it for too long, but just short incremental uh, training sessions. that will get that dog where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. And that'll build stamina as well. Mm-hmm. The main thing you want to do is steady that dog. Mm-hmm. The worst thing that can happen on a dove when that dog breaks and starts running all over the field, picking everybody's mm-hmm. doves up and overheating. Mm-hmm. If your dog is steady, it sits by your side. It never moves. It watches the doves when they fly over. And it goes when you tell it to. When you give it a release command, it goes. It picks a dove and comes straight back, regardless of the amount of shooting over the field. You want that's what we use the uh, dummy launchers for. We have three, twelve launchers. We can launch thirty-six dummies, but we had to do that early in the morning, late in the afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Day. yeah, a lot of people will leave the dog in the kennel or whatever all year and just pull it out the day to go hunting, of whatever duck or dove season. And be all frustrated that the dog's not steady, like he's talking about. Mm-hmm. All you gotta, you gotta turn the training into fun. It's right. like it's not like I'm training my dog towards his hunt. The training is a dog loves that. It's time I spend with my dog. It's a reward for a dog that I love. So you gotta make it a priority, you know, to do that. And if you do, you'll be 
I mean, it's crazy how good they can get. And, be and it, way it, ahead of the ball game. The, the best one I ever really, really had, I, I would say at this point, I'm, so I'm going to go out and say, Gus, it's the best one I've ever had. But I had one other rival that, and I didn't know enough, and I trained him myself, and I didn't even know nearly what all Mr. Gibson's taught me now. But I did some every single day. Before I went to work, I was working at Brian Foods. Before I went to work and when I came home, every day. I didn't have much else to do back then either. But that repetition of just, I mean, five or ten minutes, that was it. It's amazing how quickly he became well-trained because I, it was an everyday thing. It doesn't take much time. That's the thing I want to you know, hit on, too, is when we're out there training, I mean, it, like you said, it doesn't take long. No. It's just short. It's just, but, you know, as long as they get those good repetitions in, they're doing things correctly. Because if you, if you go too long, the dog's going to want to go do other things or get bored of it what whatnot, especially young dogs. Keep it short. Keep it, you know where that dog knows what he's supposed to do, gets it accomplished, you know, they accomplish a certain drill, and then, you know, move on to the next day. Um, but short, concise, quick, you know, make it. Don't overtrain. What, we, what exactly. we do this yeah. time of year, we start with basic obedience. I don't care if the dog is obedient as it ever was. We still start with mm-hmm. basic obedience, two or three retrieves, not to, so that we don't overheat the dog. Then we come back to basic obedience, and then we go back to the kennel. Mm-hmm. Just in general, I mean, what I do uh, is I start off any dog, you know, usually – I'll put a put a slip lead on and just do a short, like you said, basic obedience session. So you're going out there, you're walking at heel, doing some healing drills and, you know, making them come around you, sit on the whistle, short little, you know, single retrieve. What I'll, I'll do is I'll take a dummy, you know, a little handheld dummy, throw it out there, 15, 20 yards, walk about halfway to it, stop the dog on the whistle, make them sit there, you know, then make the dog sit, walk over there, pick up the dummy yourself, have that dog call him to you, make him sit next to you. And then if he does all that correctly, throw him back out the dummy and then let him retrieve. And that just kind of builds up the basic obedience. It's short, it's quick, it's easy. You do it right before any other session of training, but that just builds that obedience level for that dog. Sure. Interesting. So, Mike, didn't you, in the last week or two, you've had a friend that had a tragic accident with a dog, didn't you? I did. It was a a sad deal. They were at uh, their farm and uh, got on the side-by-side, and they were taking their children down to the lake uh, to throw some rocks in the lake, pretty much. And uh, their dog followed behind them. It was they said they probably were gone 15 minutes max and uh, went down to the lake, came back, dog followed them back, uh, found a water puddle. Uh, it was right after we got all that rain and uh, laid in the puddle and didn't get up. And uh, it was a sad deal. Dog didn't make it through. And I mean, it, it, it literally took them 15 minutes for that to happen. I mean, mm. they weren't hunting them or training them or anything. It was just falling behind them on the side by side. So that sounds like classic heat stroke, heat exactly. exertion. Yeah, is that what you're exactly what it is. Yeah. Wow. It goes yeah. back to what I said earlier. I mean, even if you're just taking your dog out for a run, you're letting him follow you around the farm and your cannon, whatever you got going on, you know, that dog still can overheat. If it's Even if it's not a training session, that dog can you know, always watch out because it, it can happen any time. The uh, <clears throat> our story about Fitz and Mr. Gibson bringing him back to life and all that during duck season. Uh, the one thing I did, will say and add to that from the, the veterinarian that day, she said this is. She was pretty young. She said this is the first hardcore case of hypothermia I've seen. It's not very common, especially down here. She said, but we get heat stroke and death from heat stroke all the time. I wish people would be more cautious. It's so sad to see it. So. Mm-hmm. There it is from a, a, right. someone who sees a lot of them. Everybody listens. We got to do better because we we are letting it happen. And so, if you're not sure, keep them in. Yeah. Wow. And one, one problem that, that leads to that is people want to show their dog off. Oh yeah. Yes. Rather than 
and work their dog in a proper manner. They want all their buddies to see what that dog yeah. will do, and they just keep going and going and going instead of using a little common sense and saying, enough is enough, we're quitting for the day. Mm-hmm. I just don't, don't um, do it at all. Another thing I see frequently uh, is overweight dogs out in the field. Um, oh, and, yes. and I assume that may, you know, they're obviously more out of shape. They've got more weight to carry around. Um, it, I'm, you know, labs are house dogs. They, they're great around people, they but tend we tend to love them to death. Um, so what, what is a proper feeding regimen to not overfeed them? And, and you just, we, what we do is we look at the dogs. If they're putting on weight, we cut back on their food. If they're too, too thin, we up their food a little bit so that we, we know about what to feed each dog, but anywhere from from one to three and a half cups a day. Okay, so that's that's a big variation, but yeah. you're just basing that on... We're basing that on, on how the dog eats and what their, their body condition is. And that's really like not, you know, when you look at one to three and a half cups of food, that's not a lot of food. Yeah, yeah. We got some we feed one cup a day and can't get weight off of them. And uh, and then you've got some folks that have those automatic feeders that they just keep them full. And they're, they're loving their dogs to death. Well, you also mm-hmm. got to determine based on who the dog is and the dog's personality. Because like my personal dogs, I can leave food out all day long and they won't eat it all. They'll only eat when they're hungry. But you take another dog where you, you know, a lot of the dogs at the kennel, you put food out; those dogs are going to eat it, and they're going to eat suck all it of it. up. They're going to suck it up. Yeah, you put a fifty-pound bag out there, so <laughs> not even chewing. Neil's dog has gotten so famous now, Timbo. Everybody knows about him, but he'll he'll kill himself if you left the bag open and laying on the ground. He would he would he just gorge eat. himself. Yeah, he would literally. He almost did a couple times. And you're doing some service that. to your dog also by letting them get overweight. I mean, it's it's ultimately up to you. It's your responsibility to keep the dog where they need to be, and so you know, monitor their feeding and feed them accordingly. This guy from Tuscaloosa, Alabama, brought his dog over for training. And that dog was just a typical small, small lab, except that it weighed 125 pounds. Wow. Wow. And it was about this tall. And about yeah, short and fat. Can you take a little weight off this dog? We cut that dog back to a half a cup a day and couldn't get weight off. And I'll tell you what cost it. He had her fixed. He had her spayed. So it was some hormonal changes affected all that. And she could not get weight off. Her Mm. metabolism was all messed up. Gosh, these stories are hard to hear about. I mean, we we, we knew about what had happened with Daniel and his dog. I mean, it's a great story now. It was almost like a real bad. bad, (laughs) On to one other thing, and applying to to early season hunting and stuff like that, um, you know, I'm from New Mexico. We hunt, you know, does in, the, in September. That's a, generally the the peak season for snakes, rattlesnakes, yes. uh, oh, yeah. anything like that. I mean, and and that's one of the things people need to be really aware of is is watching out for you know snakes, getting your dogs with the, with the right snake vaccine, keeping them away from possible dangers like that. Um, you know that because that's more. I've seen more dogs get injured, killed, whatnot from snakes than anything else, especially back home. And uh, so it's something you really need to be aware of and and train it. Train those dogs if you ever get a chance to avoid snakes because that's it'll pay off in the long run. Mm. They'll kill them quick. You know the takeaway, one of the, one of the major takeaways. We talk always ask, what do we learn? But mm-hmm. it, it's just reinforced to me that as guys, as as owners of these dogs, we're the ones that have to kind of watch out for them. Oh, and, for sure, and, and absolutely, just like a child. It's just it's just we have yeah. to make sure we don't put them in bad situations. The, the rattlesnake 
shot that they use here for dogs is effective out west, but it's not necessarily effective here. What it does, it buys you time to get to the vet. Out there, it's more effective than that. It's a western rattler venom that, that makes that particular vaccine. And it's different, I guess, molecular or something. I don't know what the difference is, but it's it's different from the eastern Diamondback. Diamondback. Mm-hmm. Well, also so it's not totally effective like it is out west, right. but it does. It's a it wise helps. idea to get it because it does mm-hmm. buy you time. Right. It's it, effective on uh, copperheads, uh, copperheads, and all the others. Yeah. All vipers. <clears throat> but the rattlesnake. Well, Fitz had had the, you know, his second nine live or third nine live. <laughs> right. He got bit by a copperhead right the in the face. During duck season. Two years yeah, ago. On a yes. retrieve. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, he had had that rattlesnake shot, and they said they thought it might have saved him. And he was in bad shape for a while. We went to the vet school, by the way, plugging that, the most marvelous veterinary hospital I know of in this country. Yeah, no question. It's in Starville, yeah. Mississippi. If you don't believe it, and it, I know it's expensive, but it's That's unbelievable. <laughs> it's expensive, but it's well It is worth much. every bit of it. If you've got something you yeah. really care about your dog, you can get it there that's critical. It's unbelievable. I know everybody. That's I think just about thing. everybody here has had some yeah. experience. Yeah, carry a little Benadryl in your first aid kit yeah, when you right. go to the field. If you get bit by a snake, give them Benadryl, 12.5 okay. milligrams. Okay, that was my – I was just yeah. fixing to ask you, what can a guy carry and how do they do that by weight? What At minimum, might? they need to carry some type of sugar water or something to bring their uh, blood sugar up. They need to carry Benadryl in case the dog gets bit by a snake. Give it 12.5 milligrams. Or I think twenty five pound body weight, and if you just get twelve point five into the dog, that's a child's mouth, dosage. Mm-hmm. It'll keep that keep that throat from swelling. The same thing with the human. You know, get hit by fifty bees like my buddy here does, <laughs> and uh, a little bit of drill straighten it right out. Yeah, I forgot we had a. a I think, I think that's what they did for uh, over at Mississippi State Vet School. Mm-hmm. Benadryl. Uh, they gave him Benadryl, Benadryl. Yeah. right away. Yeah, it's so, uh, you know, that, that kit that you're talking about, that's not a bad idea for a guy to have a little mm-hmm. little first aid kit for his dog. Do that. Yeah. I got a, I got a first aid kit about yay big I carry with me, and I carry, it's got a little field pack in it I carry out in the field. If yep. the dog runs into a barbed wire <clears> fence and, and gets a tear, I, I clean that up real good and staple it shut, and then take him to vet. And if the vet wants to, he can pull the staples and right. clean it's it not. again and restaple it. But uh, be nice to find something to uh, stop the bleeding too, because I mean the other thing happened to Fitz. He almost bled to death. He cut his ear on a barbed wire fence, and you wouldn't believe how much they bleed an ear from, a, bleed, from an ear huh? cut, and it bled and it bled. And it bled, and we and thought he was going to die from the blood loss. So that probably wouldn't be a bad thing to take if you had something that would stop. Just a compression bandage right. around the head to hold that ear. Yeah, maybe a sliding stuff you could put on there. I don't know. Well, it fits. We need to. Be- yep. <laughs> he's, he might be a cat on those lines. He's got. <laughs> That's what I'm about. So KC, he's, he's a tough guy. He is a tough dude. KC, can you tell me what is the opposite of a hot dog? We're talking about overheating dog. What is the opposite of a hot dog? Oh, one that gets too cold. A cold dog. A chili dog. Hey, get my bell ring over there. No, 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 no. Wah, wah, wah. 
well, that was pretty good there, Bob. Well, thank you, there, lady. <laughs> Working on that material all week long. <laughs> he's, been, he's been sitting over holding that back the whole day. He'll so, be here all weekend. <laughs> so, guys, y'all stay right there. Let's do an Ask Dudley. And if anything else in the dog genre pops up that we want to come back to and touch base on and then we'll try to wrap this thing on up so but i think mike's got an ask dudley i do uh it's from our buddy levi knowles uh hey dudley i recently found a few persimmon trees in a clump uh within 10 feet of some of our uh, on the edge of some of our property this portion is a natural regeneration from a clear cut 12 plus years ago the persimmon trees are not very big three to six inches in diameter at chest height and a couple are already producing fruit. I would like to give uh, the trees more room to grow and reach their maximum potential. What all should I do? Okay. Yeah. Well, that's a good question. That's a great question. Um, and I've seen that happen several times uh, at my personal place and, and around in and around town. But, uh, yeah, so persimmons, you know, cutovers, they, get, they usually end up getting chopped or knocked over or something. And they're famous for having uh, root suckers. They, they'll they send up shoots. Uh, even if they cut that tree down and maybe even push some dirt with a dozer or something, there'll be a big old hunk of root, and it will send up new shoots. And oftentimes you'll come back where once was one tree, it may appear to be five or six trees in the you know within 10 or 20 feet of each other. Um, and so it's generally going to be a clone. So if, if one of them's fruiting, they're all going to fruit. You know, it's, it's one individual tree. Um, but uh, I think he wants to know if he can cut some of them out and let out. more grow. Uh, my answer to that is it's, it's kind of starting off with a compromised root system already. Um, and so let those, you know, maybe if there's some elms or sweet yums or something like that coming up in there, remove those. But treat that as one tree, um, just like if you plant a whole bunch of corn too close together, it'll still produce the same volume as, as one big tree or one big plant. So let, it, let those things lean on each other and hold each other up. Uh, generally, I would say just make it one tree, you know, cut the rest of them down. But then you get a windstorm come through uh, when it's full of fruit and it may fall over. So for that example, just clean up around it and uh, let it do its thing. Leave it be. So just reduce the competition, but don't actually thin the persimmons. No. Basically. No. Gotcha. Cool. Well, I tell you what, that was dead center of Dudley's bullseye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a, that was a fun one. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Levi. That was a really good one. And guys, while it's while it's on my mind. Uh, we had a tragedy here in, yes, in our community did. this past week, and Gary Dito and his grandson Luke Reed. And um, I just wanted to—I I mean, I, I look around the room, and everybody had a relationship with him. He did so much for the Mossy Oak business. He was a huge gun dealer in the South. Big he, part of the community here. Yeah, huge just part. a humble guy. Just strong Christian man. Yes, just they're just—you know—he was just a great guy. And I just wanted to let the family know that. From all of us, that that uh, boy, it's just you know, there's a hole in our heart too, mm-hmm. and it's it's a sad thing. So, uh, guys that traveled through the area, y'all may have seen Gary's pawn and gun that's here in West Point in, in Columbus, and that's who we're referring to, Gary Dito. So, 
Uh, I, I can tell everybody that everybody's a little choked. Nobody really wants to jump in here and say something, but I wanted to make sure we pointed that out. And so, well, this has been an interesting one. The dogs mean so much to us. And, uh, and Mr. Bill, every time I listen to you talk, I think of Buford T. Justice. You was Buford that tough? <laughs> no, I didn't know Buford was that tough. I don't think anybody's that tough. <laughs> yeah. And Casey, you're developing your own little uh, reputation down yeah. there being a tough guy. Hey, look, like, and we're building a brand new training facility down there at the kennel too. So. We got Casey's wing. We're gonna pour concrete this week, and put some tin up. So we're excited about that. I'm gonna offer offering some more training services and dog services coming up locally. So it's a look. It, people that get dogs from down there, they could continuously just talk about what great animals and companions they are. They are companions. It's 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 uh, miraculous. But it's way wonder how things just work out sometimes. But we all live to add value to families and their family life of, yeah. of outdoor people. And just when he, you know, he and I just got this started, um, it was just overwhelming thinking that you could put the kind of dogs that he can develop and breed and train and put those in a family. There's really not much more adding value you can have in a family, an outdoor family, especially than a great dog. You're right. And so we're going to do it with all the, all we got. And, you know, what about your wife, Miss Diana? She loves. She dogs, is. <laughs> she is the dog whisperer too. Yeah. So I mean, so you can leave amen. them with her. Oh yeah, they're spoiled rotten. So, um, but as far as loving on them, the one piece of advice I would give people is don't get a dog, especially from us, and just like spend the money on training and put it in the kennel and, and just take it hunting. Make it your best friend. You'll have it'll it'll change your life. Yeah. Uh, let them, you know, I know it might not be your style. Let them live in the house with you. Let them hang out all the time and whatever. But I will tell a story about Gus. We lost the kind of the the flagship dog for a lot of this was Neil's dog, Jake, which was kind of the mossy oak dog, too. Yeah, he was. And everybody loved him. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Gibson was big buddies with him. Every was. And we tragically lost him. And so uh, we had had like as many as three or four dogs at the house. And we all of a sudden there was this vacuum. We did not have a dog. And I told Diane, um, Mr. Gibson has a litter. And he said, actually, the day we buried him, he told me he had them all sold, but one guy backed out. I said, can I come over and look at them? So I'll try to shorten this a little bit. So I did. I went over that Friday. People were going to come picking them up. And he said, you know, I said, well, do I have to wait till everybody's come? He said, no, you can just you can just pick one out. Uh, you know, it doesn't make any difference. Nobody's, like, put their name on a certain dog yet. So – Puppies were playing in the yard, and I called Diana. I said, come over. You need to come over here. No, it's too soon. Am I too much pain? I miss them too much. I can't go through this again. And um, so finally I talked her into it. I said, you don't have to, we don't have to get a dog. But these puppies are all in the yard everywhere, and it's just good therapy. And so she came over, and after about an hour, she started back across that bridge with a Gus over her shoulder holding him and I looked at Mr. Gibson and said that one hit the Powerball lottery right there <laughs> so she's she is so good with them and she she'll know just looking at oh look at her she needs to go to the bathroom oh you know he's not he needs to be fed or just you know it's amazing she she is so connected with the dogs in the house and uh, well she's the godmother to half the dogs here yeah, yeah and even, even, even goose yeah, yeah, goose even and your goose and, and uh, she just and all of them 
I got to add something to that. Yeah, because she loves on them so much, and it makes them such a better hunting dog to have that relationship with them. But uh, Diane came over and said, oh, I'm just not ready for another dog yet. That's right. But can I take that one home for the night? (laughs) (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Thompson and I were sitting there in the yard, and she went across the bridge, and Thompson said, that dog... Just hit the lottery. He'll yeah. never be back. <laughs> That's right. He was he was smart enough to tell her, "Sure, take it home. And if you're not happy at any time, just bring him right back." <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh well, that's a great story. Yeah. Yeah. Lee, at the, at yeah. The, or excuse me, at the, at the beginning of all this, you asked me if I'd been learning anything while I'm here working with Mr. Bill. And one thing I can always look back on to say is, you know, I started this whole thing up. I'm, I'm training dogs in the middle. of you know, nowhere Mississippi. You know, I'm, I'm a thousand miles from home. I don't know anything really. I mean, it's a difficult place to be, you know, when you don't know anything. But, you know, the more I've done this, the more people I've met, the more dogs I've trained, the more I realize that you're not just training the dog, you're training a part of somebody's family. That's right. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing to see, you know, from the beginning to the end when somebody brings in a dog, you know, it's a puppy that doesn't know anything. And then they come back, they pick that dog up and they're just amazed at what you've done with that dog. And, uh, you know, it just really hits your, hits your heart because you, you realize that you've just made an improvement to that person's life, those, mm-hmm. that family's life by, by working with their dog. And so I think that that's the really the coolest part about this whole thing. And, and you asked me what I've learned, and that's one of the things. So there we go. Well, that's awesome. That's a good one. And you know, that's that gift. You'll never have anything give you the unconditional love like your dog. Yeah. Ever. And for him to point that, that's exactly what you're doing for him when you put one in their life. Mm-hmm. Wow, this has been good. It's yeah. been good. Lanny Goose, he's such a great dog. I love Goose. If, you know, folks can see him sometimes on the end of our GameKeeper television shows. Goose is there. He's not growling. He is smiling. He's just yeah. a happy. Yeah. He's just happy to be here. Yeah, and Mr. Bill has raised another dog that loves to hug on you. Yeah. I mean, these are some real dogs. It's hugging. It's yeah. hugging. Yeah. yeah, well, this has been this has been a lot of fun. Mac, have you got anything you want to add? No, check them out. Mossy Oak Gamekeeper Kennels. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. What's your dog's name, Mac? Huckleberry. Oh, Huckleberry. He's in here. He's here today. Absolutely. He? He's in the house. Yep. That's good. Huck, Huck lets me hug on him. He's a, he's a good hugger. Oh, yeah, he's a sweet one. I mean, like, they're good, like Gus. Mm-hmm. Gus is a sweetheart. He is yeah. a sweetheart, that's big time. Stuff. Yeah. yeah. I don't think Huck's tail ever stops. It just no. He's a happy dog. He is for sure. He he makes my little boy happy. Happy dog. Yeah, we like happy dogs. Yep, they're all happy. They sure are. Well, look, this has been good. I think we've learned a lot. I think we've hopefully taught guys have paid attention. They'll learn something that maybe will help. Hopefully, will help them this fall. Yeah. So, Toxie, have you got anything to add? Just don't if you're if you don't have a great dog in your life, you're missing out. Yeah. Doesn't even have to be from us. That'd be great, but. You know, yeah. just you're missing out. And so if we're here to kind of shine a beacon on living an outdoor life, it's got to have a great dog in it. Yeah. Well, There's nothing like them. Lanny, you? I'm good. Yeah, Dudley? What KC said. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Amen. Well, we appreciate it. Look, this is episode 51. We've been doing this. What? Uh, uh, 50, 51st episode. 51st. It's, a, it's amazing. Bobby, Toxie, you couldn't even say podcast before we started didn't this Didn't even thing. know what one was. So we want to thank Toxie for letting us do this. This has been a lot of fun. Guys, watch the television show. It's on Tuesday nights on the Outdoor Channel at uh, 9 Eastern, I mm-hmm. think. And, Lanny, we'll ask you next week when that is on Pacific time. All so right. I'll do the math. That yeah, I'll study that up. Well, if there's not anything else, we'll say goodbye, Dudley. All right. Goodbye, Dudley. Get us out of here, Mac Mac. 
Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Gamekeeper Podcast. And be sure to tune in again. Subscribe to Gamekeeper Farming for Wildlife magazine and don't miss the Mossy Oak Properties Fistful of Dirt podcast with my good buddy, Ronnie Cuz Strickland.